What's good, guys? I'm not going to waste any time. This pod is ridiculously long, but uh, opening week, we get excited. There's a ton to talk about. Obviously, moving forward, the recaps will be shorter, um, but like, I, we just couldn't stop. We just kept going and going and going, and uh, I'm not. I'm honestly not mad about it. Obviously, do whatever you can do, uh, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. I love you. Enjoy. All right, we are live. On a Sunday evening after the first week of the NBA season, I've got a, uh, at this point, a podcast veteran. It's been a little bit, though, but uh, I'm stoked to have my guy back. Tyler, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing all right. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me back. Of course, bro. Of course. It's great to have you back. Um, so, I, obviously, we do, we chat a little bit on off camera before this gets started. Um, but this is just basically going to be um, a recap. Of the first week our biggest takeaways some surprise teams guys that looked really good to us um you know our top five teams as things stands i know it's very early but um and, and our our favorite rookies too um just doing a deep dive into everything that took place um obviously we both are in a, in this 30 team fantasy league and so we watch a lot of basketball we watch a lot of games definitely more than even just a you know a normal nba fan um so i'm excited to get to all of that I wanna I wanna give the floor to you first, bro. Um, I know you watched a lot of basketball this week. What is it doesn't even have to be your main thing, but you know, how how did you feel about this week? Did you enjoy it? What were some of your takeaways? And um, I guess coming into this week, also what was your mindset? Like what what were you most excited about? I know I'm dropping like 30 questions on you, but the floor is yours, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I spent today just trying to rack my brain about specific talking points. I mean, I felt like I've watched basketball nonstop the last five days, yep. you know, like just lead pads bouncing back and forth and back and forth. And of course I'm going to be watching teams that I have fantasy players on primarily. So I wasn't able to catch, you know, every team this week, but I, I would yeah. say that I caught a good majority of them, but I think my main takeaway or the, the thing that I was most looking forward to um, was getting some of our star players back and playing. And, and I was super curious how, how they were going to look. I mean, most of these guys, you can list them off, right? Zion, Kawhi, Dame, AD, John Wall. Um, they had gone, you know, close to, if not past a year without being on a court in a professional setting. For sure. Um, and for the most part, I mean, even even Wall looks terrific. Like uh, all of the guys have come back to what they were previously. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi, I still think he's kind of getting back into it. But I mean, Zion, I know he went down. He had a scare today. Yeah. Zion's looked tremendous. Game. I mean, back to back, forty-one games. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy, dude. Like the the league is just in. It, there's so much talent. Like the, and I guess that was my second takeaway was all off season. It was talked up. Like there, there are no easy games, you know, there are no 100%. cupcakes. There are no, you know, schedule wins. Yep. Um, and I mean, you saw it with the Sixers, the Sixers thought they could just, you know, roll over and, and take the, take the Sixers by 15 and they lose at home. Yep. Uh, and it just goes to show how deep and talented these rosters are that even five years ago was at three years ago was not the case. There, there's no. so much talent, even on these bad teams. 
the league is in an absolutely beautiful spot, bro. An absolutely beautiful spot. And I think that's why we're going to see why it's even more likely we'll see those expansion teams coming in soon because there's absolutely room to afford, you know, some talent. Like you can, you can get two teams in here and, and be okay. Um, you know, competition wise, but uh, I think that's a, a great point, bro. Like we were missing a, a lot of, you know, really, really good talent. And every single one of those guys came back and looked really good. And we didn't even talk about, you know, MPJ or Jamal Murray. I actually didn't catch a ton of nuggets. So I don't know necessarily how Jamal looked. And again, even if he didn't look good, you know, he hasn't played in you know a year and a half um, or whatever it is, but a hundred percent, right. And that kind of went into my main takeaway, which is, uh, you know, just a parody. You know, I, I know it, it goes hand in hand with the talent, but it's been so long. I feel like since to me, there's no clear favorite um, or, or even like, Maybe if you wanted, you can go group it into a top three. But even that, like, I think you could legitimately name 10 teams where if they won a title, maybe some towards the end, you'd be surprised. But you could submit a legitimate case um, that they could do it. So obviously, it's it's top to bottom, right? The parody is great um, and there's no easy games. But like, I, I think it's going to be awesome to have a season where there's so many teams that have legitimate cases at, at winning a title and yeah, bro, the, the league's just in an absolutely amazing spot. Yeah. I guess a good way of thinking about it is like, would you be surprised if any of these top teams lost on any given night? Like I, I know that I wouldn't No. Whereas like when the warriors were like prime, prime dynasty warriors, you were like, it was, it was front page ESPN, like the warriors. Yeah, if they lost. Um, yeah. And that's and not the case here. Like there's, there's, you know, sure. We, we can talk top three, five, seven teams, but all of those teams have their flaws. There's kinks in their armor. And we've already seen in the first week of the season. Yeah. Multiple, I was say, multiple there's, great there's teams. Not that many there. Teams. There's not that many. You know, I think and, and the ones that are, are surprising. <laughs> no, I know. And, and we'll definitely get to that. Um, I was I was gonna give a takeaway, but but I it's about a lot of these are about specific teams, and I think we can just get into that right now. I want to go to um, let's start with some teams that surprised us positively, and I we, I don't even think we need to do the you know your turn my turn for this one because I know, I mean if you followed the NBA, there's one team that has really shocked the world. And that is the, the Utah Jazz. I feel like there's always one team that that does it in the first week. And and sometimes it holds steady um, throughout the season. And sometimes it doesn't. I feel like last year's version was uh, the Wizards slash the Cavs. And, and the Cavs held steady for the most part. And the Wizards didn't. Uh, but the Utah Jazz, they come out. They're 3-0. But they're not just, you know, your, your everyday 3-0. They're, they beat the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and today the Pelicans, bro. Like, that is those are not none of those teams are easy um and it's it's a team of castaways bro it's a team of castaways it's a team of guys that in one way or another were essentially told were essentially given up on in a way in a way maybe conley and clarkson um but like everyone else that is there is somewhat has a chip on their shoulder and it's just really cool to see all these guys go together and I've, i've watched a decent amount they just play really good basketball I props to will hardy uh, obviously i don't I, I don't know if you did but i had no idea 
how he's going to be as a coach and everyone's sharing the ball. Everyone's getting their touches in rhythm and they're not reliant on, you know, a lot of these teams and it, it makes sense. They're relying on their stars. Um, and oftentimes when their stars don't come through, they lose, but on any given night, there's five to seven guys that are capable of having really good offensive games. And it's just been, it's been so cool to see, you know, Kelly Olenek is in a role now where he's not just a spot up shooter. Like he's, he's creating in certain actions that they're, they're doing. Um, Jordan Clarkson has a free mind, Malik Beasley, obviously Laurie Markinen, Sexton, Vandy. Like it's just, it's just a really fun team. Um, and it, I, I don't know how you felt. I obviously, I didn't think they were going to be this good, but like, I don't know. I, I didn't think, I thought there was a chance eventually they, they you know, tank and, and that happens, but I didn't think they're going to be terrible coming in. But I didn't obviously expect them to be, you know, this good. What have you been able to catch any of their games? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I don't know. When, when, when we were, when we were talking about the teams that would be tanking to start the season, we probably made a mistake in the way that maybe the media and I guess in our discussions that we spoke about Utah because Utah is not Houston. Utah is not Detroit or, or Orlando that have you know, their, their, yeah. their core are 24, 25 year olds and younger that have, you know, a couple of years of experience, this Utah team up until the point that again, we assume that they're going to sell. These are all NBA veterans, like guys that have playoff experience, guys that have been starters for three, four years. They're not sitting here being like, Hey, let me tank. So some rookie can take my job. Yeah. Players don't tank. They're like, Hey, Right. They're like, hey, let me bring up my trade value. Um, You know, I want to earn another contract in the league. Let me show what I can do. Um, So I think probably the general public made a mistake in the way that we thought about Utah just because they got rid of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Bojan Bogdanovic. They have talent. They have a lot of talent. Um, And it'll be interesting to see what they start doing. Yeah. You know, if this continues for a couple of weeks, because it could be the type of thing where, you know, Danny Ainge says, all right, all of a sudden Malik Beasley, he has a sore hamstring and marketing. He's got some plantar fasciitis or something like that, where he's like, our team is too good. And I don't want to get rid of these players unless I get good value. Yeah. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. Right. And and I think that's where we were at. Right. Was like, uh, okay, this team isn't terrible, but at a certain point, you realize that the the ceiling with this team in our eyes, right, is you know short even short of a plane, most likely, maybe maybe plane in terms of the ceiling, and so at a certain point, yeah, that's when you just make up injuries, and if guys do have injuries, hold them out three times longer than they actually need to be out. Um, but yeah, if if you if you reach you know thirty games and you're, I don't know seven 18 and 12 or something like that just like a it's an interesting spot to be put in because again you're not really in contention for a title but I've always been on the side of and it's very delicate I know we've we've discussed it before is like I think I think we're at the point now with fans where we over overdo tanking where obviously you know in in this class is going to be accentuated because Victor and Scoop but like I think there's something to be gained that is oftentimes um, 
dismissed in actually getting better as a basketball team and grinding out games and building a culture. So even if you don't necessarily go super far, you've, you've gained some experience. You've actually grown right. as a basketball team. I mean, it, it's something that I, I guess there's three good examples that I, that come to mind in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. The first one being the D'Angelo Russell Brooklyn Nets team. Like that team was not great. Wasn't supposed to be great. They were great that season. And yeah. all of a sudden Kevin Durant wants to go there. Yep. A couple of years back, Memphis, same story. They were okay. All of a sudden they get to the plane against the Warriors. They beat them. Yep. Um, you know, next season they're the two seed. The then you think back exactly. to the then you think back to the Timberwolves. Two years ago, we had this same discussion where it's like, is this the right move for them to try to compete and not just tank? They get to the playoffs and push Memphis to seven last season. And then and they then go all lose. in. They get Gobert. Yeah. And, so, and obviously you can sit here and say, oh, well, it'd be sick to have Kaminga. But, like, I don't think the, the Timberwolves are mad at, at how that turned out. Obviously they – And they're well, not even thinking that way, though. But, exactly. Like, exactly. Um, that, yeah, it's, a, it's a sunk cost at that point. And I think, I think it worked out for both, um, if, you, if you think about it like that. Um, in terms I will of, say – yeah, go ahead. I, I will say re- really quick uh, on Utah to just kind of yes, they are three and zero. It's awesome that they're three and zero. But let's keep in mind the the game against Denver. It was Jamal's first game back, MPJ's first game back. Utah at was at home, yeah. raucous crowd. Game one, game three, they win in overtime when the Pels didn't have Ingram and they We're, didn't have Zion. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's give them their flowers. They won their first three games, but let's yeah. put it in. And it's very possible they go five and zero. They get Houston on a back to back the next two games. Um, but I don't think it, at least for me, it doesn't change the way that I'm thinking about what Utah ultimately ends up doing this season. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think uh, I'm in, I'm in the exact same boat. It might go on for a couple more weeks, um, and when all these guys are together and healthy, um, you know that. They're pretty decent, um, yep. but 82 games is a lot, and uh, I think there will come a time where um, they slow down. They slow down. Yep. Um, but the, I'm with you. Any any other teams stand out uh, to you that you wanted – or positively um, that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I don't know how to properly explain this because this team had the best record in the league last season. But I felt like the general consensus of the Phoenix Suns coming into the season was like this team five or six seed potentially playing if things go poorly. But like, and a lot of that is centered around the eight and situation and everything and that Sar- went on, you know. And even some Sarver, just like the vibe. The yeah, the vibes the vibe. Yeah. But I do think, you know, going back to your taking, tanking point, I think that a lot of this stuff just gets blown out of proportion and we're not looking at the talent at hand. Yes, they did lose JaVale and they did decided to not bring back Jay Crowder, but the rest of their core is there. It's the same team. Yeah. Um, now the, the bench is a little bit weaker. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like people were thinking about this Phoenix team. And especially after the first half game one against Dallas, it's like, all right, this is the Phoenix team that we thought it was going to be this year. They, yeah. they had their title run and they didn't capitalize on it. And now they're done. 
but I kind of appreciated the resolve that Devin Booker in, in Phoenix showed in that game one. They showed it again in Portland. That was a tough game, similar situation on the road, home opener. And they're showing it again against the Clippers tonight. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a good team that is not to be trifled with. They will be competing out West again this season, yeah. barring a- any sort of significant injury. I, I love that you brought that up because I, I honestly, I was in that camp. I don't know that I would have taken it as far as five, six seed, uh, but definitely I was down on them, you know, considering they won, you know, how 60 something games last year. Um, and I, I just, for me, where, where that concern came from was yes, you lose Jay Crowder, but uh, you know, I just looked around that bench and it was like, dude, what, like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on here. Like the starting five is cool, but you could argue that almost every bench player besides campaign is like a fringe rotation guy. Um, but, but like you said, I, I mean, and, and on top of that CP, just not like, you know, yeah. I obviously went out, he didn't go out very well uh, in that Dallas game. Like you I feel like you never saw that from, a CP led team. Like you, you just know they're, they may lose in a game seven. You're not getting blown out like that. It's embarrassing. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think those are the two main, you know, factors for me. Um, well, I won't say I'm like all the way there yet. It's, it's, you can't deny, you know, the results so far, like it would have been so easy to fold in that Mavs game, that, that Blazers game. Yes, they lost, but that is a really tough, like if, if you pull that out, that's a really, really tough, tough win. Dude, and honestly, that that Blazers game, they had their their opportunities. They, like they were ahead they by four or five points multiple times, deep into the fourth and in overtime. But yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I was just on NBA Twitter too much this summer. But I, you know, I definitely <laughs> saw articles about like, is it time to blow it up? Like, you know, yeah. are we looking to move Chris Paul? What are we doing? People with the contract. But if you look at the like the the win totals coming into the season, Phoenix was still number one. Number out one, west. Yeah. So maybe maybe it was just the general consensus of the public yeah. was talking about Phoenix that way. But Vegas still thought that they were the team to beat out west, or at For least one sure. A, one B with the Warriors. For sure. Uh, and I think that they're showing it one hundred percent. Which I, I hope that the next team that that you're going to bring up. Um, no, is the Blazers. It is. Be- I was going to say. Because I mean, we were going off Phoenix, and, um, I mean, the Blazers beat them 3-0. Yeah. It's it's absolutely the Blazers for me. Uh, but the, the last team that I, like, came away pleasant, pleasantly surprised with. And that's another team where I, I think part of it, bro, is, is just the, like, you know, whatever the Padres are to the Dodgers, that's what I feel like the Blazers are to the Warriors. Um, and so I just – I never really take them all that seriously. Um, and I know there was some positive buzz, but for me coming in, it was still like, dude, it's it's like it's a better roster, but it to me was still the same flaws of a small backcourt that doesn't defend. Yusuf is not, is, you know, he's good, but he's not good enough to make up for, for you know, backcourt deficiencies on, on ball. Uh, Jeremy Grant to me is like a, cool microwave score but when he's not scoring it can get ugly um but they've been really impressive so far like that that king's game again another game that is not an easy win like you you really have to grind if if you're gonna go win in sacramento 
Um, and they did, they were down, you know, 10 in the third, they were down five with five minutes left, came back, battled every single time that Suns team, you know, that Suns game that we just talked about, uh, back and forth, back and forth, great resolve. There are plenty of times where the Suns, if they just, if they just got a couple more baskets, it was out of reach and it, you know, they just kept battling. And then today, dude, like I thought it was over. I thought the Lakers boom. They finally got their first dub of the year at home makes sense right they were due whatever um and then all in over they just they closed that game on a crazy run and so i never really thought it, it never had anything to do with dame i know we've had discussions like i've always felt like he was going to come back and, and be who he is um but it was questions just about the rest of the roster and uh for the most part i think i'm still waiting for anthony to like get fully comfortable in that off the ball role but everyone else has looked really good in, in, in their role and, and they all look comfortable and bought in. And um, I think before I would have been like fringe playing team, like I wouldn't be surprised if there's the six or five. I, I still think I'd probably have them like six, seven, um, but I wouldn't be shocked if they stay healthy and, and get up to five. Yeah. So you mentioned a, co- a couple of points. The word that you mentioned was resolve. I mean, every single one of these three games that they have won, the Blazers would have lost the last four or five years. For sure. Like, first off, like, the athleticism, the defending on the wing, the rebounding, none of that was there. I saw a tweet that that said that Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart were what the Blazers thought they were getting when they brought in Covington and Norm Powell. That's so so true. Like, just the the athleticism – like the not needing the ball in their hands, they're able to fill the spots that they need to fill um, on the team. And I, again, I, I don't think that they're a top three seed in the West or anything like that, but their starting five is a competitive starting five. It, sure. It's definitely one of the eight best starting fives in the West. Um, you know, and there were a lot of, a, a lot of questions about what their bench is and will be i still think there's questions about their bench they definitely need to figure out uh and and bring in another big because i mean nurkic nurkic is good but i mean you saw today you can't ask for more than 30 minutes from him dude you you can't i mean dude that like every team is going to hunt him like the lakers did down the stretch when he's just can't have he can't play, dude. <laughs> he, like he's, he's flailing his arms at these at these you know ball handlers that are going right by him. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you get Winslow, and Winslow's been terrific, right? He's a jack of all trades, master of none. That's what you want from your bench guy. Yeah. But Winslow's his his career has been tainted with injuries every single season. And your backup center right now is Drew Eubanks, an energy guy at best. Um, now they do have Gary Payton coming back, and he will bring some life to the, you know, to the defense in the backcourt. He's going to be. But here. they are probably missing one or two bodies, I would say, off the bench. And I do think that Simons needs to figure out that off-ball role. But that should highlight even more what they've been able to do in the first three games with Simons not being good. I yeah. mean, Simons hit that hook shot that gave him the win, but they wouldn't have been there without Dame. No. And, and so I think that Simons will 
learn to get comfortable in that position. But the play of Josh Hart, play of Jeremy Grant, Nurkic has been much better the last two games. Yeah. Um, that's why they're three and zero. Like Dame is Dame has always done what he's going to be doing. Like he'll be consistent. But Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and to an extent Winslow as well. What they've been able to do, the dirty work. You know, that's what you bring them in for. And they've just been very impressive through three games. Yeah, I, I think you you put that perfectly, bro. And their GM uh, has to be stoked because there, you know, there are plenty of takes out there that this those two specifically weren't going to be enough. Um, and Josh Hart, like we we do, got to give him a shout out. Um, he just totally he'll never he, he just he's a great connector on offense, is what I'll say. Is if he has the ball in general, he's going to be able to get that next pass wherever it should be. He's going to find the space that exists. And a lot of times people just have the, you know, players, they have their head down. It is always getting to the place it needs to be when Josh Hart has that. He brings insane energy on the boards. Uh, great in transition. I know we talked about it. Uses the same move every time and gets to the rim and finishes. Um, but yeah, that grit is just something they've missed. Um, but what, what, what are you going to say, bro? Sorry. Well, and it's the pace. Like, these Blazers teams in the past, they've played with pace, but it's been pace to a corner three or pace to a three at the top of the, or to, to a trailing three. Josh Hart, I've seen probably five or six times where Hart's gotten a rebound and Dame is so accustomed to, like, give me the ball, let me, you know, pound dribble up the court, we'll set our set, figure it out. Josh Hart looks at him and then he just starts gunning yeah. down the court with the ball, like yeah. cutting, driving, finding the, the leaker, finding the driver. Um, and I think over time, Dame's going to start to get used to that. But Dame is just used to get the rebound, give me the ball, you know, yeah. and Hart is, doesn't play that way. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's good because you find, you find especially older teams – you know, slower teams that are not used to going in transition like that. You can steal buckets. You can steal points. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I've enjoyed watching them. That adds up. No, for sure. I I really have to, I'm hoping again, I think, I think they could still use one or two more bodies. Um, And obviously you need Anthony to get a little bit more comfortable in this off ball role, but you know how talented that man is offensively. And once that comfort level comes, it's going to be, it's going to be very, they're, they're going to be decent. And, and I really, I'm such a believer in Gary Payton, bro. I think he's the perfect, yeah. he's just the perfect role player. He's always finding space. He's a just an on ball dog. Like I can't wait to watch him again. He just, he's just in you without fouling you somehow. Yeah. So um, yeah, was there anything you wanted to close off with? Well, and then the last piece, I, I guess, is with Shaden. I mean, oh, yeah. Cronin and the, the Blazers in general took a lot of heat, I would say, in the offseason for not moving that seventh pick for talent that can help them now, um, especially to take such an unknown like Shaden Sharp at seven when this team is built maybe not to win, but they think it's built to win right now. Yeah. Um, and nobody really knew uh, knew what to expect. The guy plays four minutes in summer league, plays sparingly in the preseason, and all of a sudden he's playing 15 minutes a night in a legit bench capacity. Now we'll see what happens when, when Gary Payton comes back, but he adds an additional layer of athleticism. 
that they don't have anywhere else yeah. on the team, really. It's dripping um, with tools. Yeah, so it, it'll dripping. be interesting to see how they kind of balance, like, first and foremost, how, how does Anthony, well, but like, how does Anthony Simons merge into that two-guard role after playing the one-man all season last year? along with sharp like sharp needs ball handling duties and it seems like they're they're switching off dame to simon dame to simon they have sharp standing in the corner so it'll be interesting to see how that that trio kind of starts to mesh throughout the season but they had sharp in there with dame and simon today um well into the fourth quarter so yeah i think if you're a blazers fan you, you have to be very encouraged because that i mean as talented as Sharp is, like if you told me that he, you know, started the year not in the rotation, I would have been, I would not have been shocked at all. And yeah. yeah, the Blazers aren't the deepest team, but like he's in there, definitely doesn't look out of place at all. Um, and it just looks, he obviously he's super athletic, right? Like hyper, hyper athletic, but just you can see it. You can see the glimmer, the, the little flashes of, okay, when the, when the handle gets tighter, when the processing becomes quicker, if he's able to do that consistently, very, very few people have a chance at even doing that. Um, yeah. and, so, and so obviously the fact that he's, you know, they're able to do this and have him out there while trying to win games is, is definitely an encouraging thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get to uh, the teams that disappointed us. All right. All right, let's get into the teams that disappointed us. Um, and honestly, I, I wasn't, I didn't come away disappointed from too many teams um, and kind of like, you know, with the, the pleasant surprises, there's a team that very clearly stands out that we don't even need to take turns um, team that you've watched a lot of a, both of us very high coming in and I'm not even pressing the panic button yet, uh, but not an encouraging start, not an encouraging start. The Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I, I think obviously the, the loss of the Spurs is, is the worst one. Um, the other two, you know, you lose to Milwaukee. Yes, you'd like to win that. Uh, and then you lose to the defending Eastern Conference champions uh, and the Boston Celtics. And they looked like in that Celtics game, I, I didn't come away like, damn, they don't look good or damn, they weren't at that level. Like, uh, you know, I, I watching them and watching Harden the way he is, and, and we can get into how that play style kind of, affects the rest of the team um, within this. But, like, with James Harden looking that comfortable and spry, I felt really good. Then you go to Milwaukee, and it was, like, the opposite. They couldn't score um, despite the defense being that that good. And then, you know, against the Spurs, they, they didn't defend at all. Um, but like we talked about, like, you will look over. It's not obviously not a great team, but there's players in San Antonio. You know, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertl, Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, you know, some rookies with some talent. Um, it's not a terrible team, but but obviously 0-3 is, is not an ideal start. What has your takeaway been? How do you feel about them moving forward? Um, and Because I know you're a big Maxi guy. I know you're a big Maxi guy, and I, I'd assume you still are. Um, the upside's very high still. What, where are you at? I, I mean, I was just kind of thinking, like, we were talking about all these teams that have, you know, Every team's good now, right? Yeah. Remember a couple of years ago, like when Lakers got LeBron and, and AD, Clippers got Kawhi and Paul George. Like, yeah. 
like th- those two teams were thought of as like, holy shit, how can any other team in the league compare to these two teams that have these two, st- right. like the, the sets of superstars? It seems like every team in the league now has like two all-star level players, you know? So that's yeah. clearly not how you win. You win by having those two, potentially three all-star level, level players, but then having considerable depth of quality talent around you. And it just seems like, I know that, I know they got Melton. I know they have Tobias. It just seems like they, they just lack quality depth. Like any time they go to the bench unit, again, it's only been three games, but it just lacks quality in my opinion. And, and that was their downfall last season was like, they couldn't even go to the bench. Joel got hurt and they sucked in those minutes. Um, and it just doesn't seem like they did a ton to improve on the margins. You know, they, yeah. they did get Melton, but with the offense that they run, it doesn't seem like that's the type of offense that Melton would thrive in. Right. I mean, Melton was great in the pace and space of Memphis. That's not what Philly is. Philly runs the Houston offense from three years ago where Harden slow dribble up the court, pick and roll, like find his spots, find the corner shoot. That's not Melton's game. No. So if Melton, your big off season acquisition, his game is minimized. And then you have a 37 year old PJ Tucker. You're not playing Thibault anymore. You're not playing Milton anymore. And you have Montrez Harrell. You're so reliant on your, your big three. I mean, I guess for what you think about Tobias, Three and a half. I guess yeah. it's long winded, but I just don't think they have the juice They they don't have enough, in my opinion, comparatively. And I know it's only the first two games they lost to Boston and Milwaukee, but that's their competition. Yeah. That's what they're, that, that's who they're gunning to be. And to me, like, especially compared to Boston, it looked like they were in a different class. Like in, in my opinion, really? Boston just had quality depth. It looked like they they had been playing together clearly for a long time. Um, And I don't know, man, like I, I just don't know. And it seems like now that Harden has gotten back to being in better shape, they're going to run a lot of the offense through Harden. And we've been through this before. We've been through the teams that have been led by James Harden and they haven't won when it matters. Um, and I've, you know, at least those Houston teams, you, you have the role players that fit that the, the Harden ball, you know, right. um, they, they don't have that. Yeah. Like they, they don't, I, I think that's, that, that that's what they were going for with PJ Tucker. And I think they maybe hoped that Melton could be this defensive guy who could uh, sit in the corner and, and shoot effectively and, and attack closeouts when need be. But I, I don't want to say, you know, Harden coming into shape and stuff has, has hurt them, but, but it's just, it's just so hard, even for Maxi. like Maxi's so, so good. Like we, we've been over it. He's so, so good offensively, but like, it, it's really hard if you're not a non-Joel Embiid or James Harden player on this team to ever really feel comfortable. Like you, you, you take for the jazz, for example, you, you see almost every one of those guys eventually hits a spot in the game where you can tell, Oh, they're in rhythm. You know, they're taking shots that quote are, are, are hard, but you know, you, you can sense it when someone's actually in rhythm and they want to take these shots. Um, whereas in, in Philly, it's, it's, 
it's either a James Harden, again, high pick and roll or isolation, or it's a Joel Embiid post up or mid post or catch at the three and let me actually just settle for a three point jumper, you know, and it's just so hard for others to get in rhythm. And, and so because Joel hasn't even been Joel in this role, it can it can look really ugly. And it would be one thing if they were locked in defensively because they have all the pieces to be. Uh, I mean, there are definitely some, you know, James Harden and, and Maxi have their problems, but they, there's potential to be a good defensive team um and it'd be one thing if they had that but they but they don't really have that and so you you have an ability for them on any given night for james harden and, and joe or joel Embiid to to carry them and, and take them home on the offensive side of the ball but they don't have a system that they can consistently rely on when either one of those two guys aren't at their peak form and that yeah you're you're right that is just never going to be enough uh, it wasn't going to be enough last year, and it, it definitely won't be enough this year. Um, go go ahead. You have a response well, to that? I, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, and that's, in my opinion, why I felt like the Harden-centric offenses couldn't win. And, and I think that there's a difference in the offense this year to last year. Like, I oh, think it is much more focused sure. on Harden, Harden. versus yeah. last year. Dude, this Philly team was a top three team in the in in the East for a majority of the season going through Embiid, like it was yeah. Embiid team. And if it continues this way, so I guess I'll pose a question to you: If this team is seven and ten, two three weeks from now, they're six and eleven three weeks from now. Is this like a a David Blatt, Ty Lue situation in Cleveland, where like? You know, you've had regular uh, success. You're Yang. In comes I, Sam Cassell. In comes Dave Yeager. Yeah, I think it uh I mean seven and ten, six and eleven is pretty bad. Like that that's pretty bad. I think you'd probably because uh, you know we know how hard it is. Obviously, they have a ton of talent. There's no excuses, but it's really hard to win NBA games. So I think at that point, for me personally, it'd still be a little too early. Um, but if it continues down that path, and I mean, you're not even like 500, you know, 25, right, 30 games in potentially. <clears throat> and and I think so, it, real quick, I I think it also is dependent on like. You know, if you lose some tough games, right, where you're right there against some good teams, that's one thing. But I think it's the manner of which those games go down and how the team as a whole chemistry wise is, you know, that that I think is very like if you if they're sticking together and losing some tough games. It's easier for me to say, no, let's not get to that point yet, but go ahead. See, see, my issue is like. If you're owing to, you lose two tight games to, you know, good teams in the East. I get it. You can't fall flat against a tanking team at home in game yeah. three of the season when you're owing to. So I'm going to list on, off on a back to back. On a back to back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on a back, a back to back. Yeah. That, that was a crazy game, the Spurs Pacers the night before. Yeah. But tell me how many wins out of these next. 12 games they have. Okay. Tomorrow, home versus Indiana. They're not going to lose that game, guys. I promise you. You would think. Yeah. Four-game road trip. Toronto, okay. Toronto, Chicago, Washington. 
I like them to take three of those four. Okay. Home versus Washington, home versus the Knicks, home versus the Suns. Two or three. At Atlanta, home versus Atlanta. We'll go split. Home versus Utah, home versus Milwaukee, home versus the Wolves, home versus the Nets. I'd like to think they can take three, but to play it safe, we can go two. So it just the, the point that I'm trying to make is like it goes back to our talent discussion earlier in the podcast. It's like I feel like three years ago, it'd be fine, right? Like you go in three, whatever. You have all the talent yeah. in the world that, that, you know, 50% of the league doesn't have. So you can reel off easy wins. There are no easy wins. The Spurs just showed that on Saturday night. Sure. And so, you know, you mentioned three out of four, three out of four splitting. I don't even know if you can take that for granted, especially on the road. Like, I, I just don't know. I'm trying to figure out what the breaking point is because it's now been two straight seasons where there has been rumors of Doc being on the hot seat. Yeah. I just don't know when that breaking point is when you, when you're in the luxury tax, like they are having the star level talent that they do. There's no reason this team should not be the first or second seed in the East. And I'm in, I'm in, I'm in agreement. It doesn't look good, but I think for me, I'd point to, and it's a, it's a different situation uh, as the two teams I'm going to point to, but I think you can draw similarities um, in the Celtics last year right? Like they did not get off to a hot start. I think at a certain, I, I think 40 games in, they were around 500. Um, and then eventually it clicked. And so at this point, like, I, I think you can point to a lot of things. Doc has flaws, right? But I, I don't think you can say he's not capable of being a good coach or taking a good team and, and taking them far. And so, well, I, I, you can be a good coach, but also not be a, uh, the right coach for the situation. I, I agree with that. But I, I just think, I think that with this team and with Doc, you, you, I think he gets the benefit of the doubt in terms of not firing him if they're 30 games in and it's not looking amazing. I, I, I just, I think, I think, despite again league is very good but you look at the map for me last year the Mavs and the Celtics neither started out well they something clicked something clicked I don't know with both of those teams I don't know exactly what it was but for both of them it was really the defense and that led to everything else but I think there's with, with that level of talent it it really just takes a week where things click you guys figure some things out offensively and defensively and then you go from there. I'm, I'm personally not ready to press the panic button. Um, it doesn't look good. And I understand what everyone's saying. And it's also, like you said, like Jaeger and Sam Cassell are fully, like I, I would not feel like they're underqualified, you know, uh, as coaches. That is another aspect of it. And, and Sam Cassell is apparently a, a great people person. And Dave Jaeger has been a head coach uh, for, for multiple years in this league. Like They would be okay. Um but it's just going to come down to, I think, the, the level of buy-in from this group. And I just – with James Harden and Joel Embiid, like, obviously James Harden wanted to be here. And I don't think there's, at this point, any, like, real, real friction. But, like, 
to me, those two have to figure it out. Like Doc does for sure. Doc does for sure. But those two have to figure it out. Cause even with a bad coach, like there's no reason you guys shouldn't be at worst a four seed. I'm not ready. To keep an eye. Yeah. Keep an eye on Embiid the next oh, couple of games. Dude, the the other thing that we haven't even mentioned, he's and it's for whatever reason, in my in, in my opinion, hasn't been this mainstream thing. Like Joel has plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Which is not something that goes away, which is not something that's easy to play with. He's seven feet, you know. 270 whatever pounds they said he couldn't really condition because of it it's flaring up again uh, you know at a certain point he said he was having trouble walking in the off season um and that's just that that's like worst case scenario like that is not Dude, something I mean, that, so I, yeah. I think that we we kind of got used to just Embiid MVP Embiid last season because he he you know, played 68 games. They rested him when they felt they didn't need him to win. Yeah. Um, and he was healthy, but it's, it's easy to forget. Like the majority of his career has been riddled by injuries. He's a seven foot 28 year old. That's now in his seventh year in the league. Um, and, and that's why it, in my opinion, it's like the panic button for me has been pushed. It was pushed last season. Like, mm-hmm how long are you going to have this guy healthy and happy to be in Philly? Like you, you don't, these types of players, these Embiid's Jokic type, they don't come around ever and, and you need to win now or else they're leaving. They're going somewhere else. And so that's why I said, keep an eye on Embiid, how it goes the next week, two weeks, because there were some moments, the first couple of games where I was kind of reading his body language and he yeah. was like, dude, this is not fucking how it's going to go. Like, this yeah. is my team. This is my city. And you can clearly see Harden's in shape. Harden, it, he wants to do Harden ball. Um, yeah. So we spent enough time talking about, I'm getting frustrated talking about yeah. Philly. <laughs> I, I think that was good. You, you've seen both sides. And, and I totally get where you're saying that the onus, that the, the time is now for that team. Um, all right. A team, I think there, there's two teams for me um, left. And I think, there's a team that I'm, I'm a little a baby disappointed in and I, I I'm going to cite them. I, again, I'm not pushing the panic button with them either. Um, Is it Miami? No, I dude, I, for whatever reason, bro, I just am so like, I just don't like the heat. Like they're just so not fun to me. Like I, I, I don't know. I hate watching them, dude. Them. Like I, I have I no enjoyment them. from them. I get no enjoyment. Um, but for me, it's the, it's the, uh, the Kings, bro. And, and I'm not like, uh, I, I put them here and I'm not like out, out, but it's like, and I know what you're going to say. Like, whoa, what did you expect? But like, dude, that Blazers game, that's a game you win when you turn the corner, right? That that's a game you absolutely pull out. Um, same with the Clippers. I, I you know, and the, the schedule has, been low-key tough you know you get the warriors clippers and blazers um but i I was expecting a little bit more like a i I thought they were going to be a little bit closer than what they've shown and i i'm still not ruling out a back-end play in eight uh or nine ten type of vibe from them but like you've got everything you've wanted from De'Aaron. yes he can turn it over a little little too often but like he has been so explosive 
and the jumper's there. Like, we're still at the point where, like, I think teams, when you give them the scouting report, you're going to say, hey, let him take these shots. But I, I really think he's turned a corner as a jump shooter. I know it's been three games, but it, I think it started at the end of the last year. But outside of him, you can throw Herter in there, and, and honestly, Keegan's been good. I've been really disappointed with Sabonis. Harrison Barnes just looks so old. Um, I, I don't know. I just – I thought it was going to be like a – I'm trying to give you a comparison, but like kind of like what the Hornets were last year in a way um, where there were going to be some, not necessarily team construction wise, but like, Hey, this is not a easy game. And I know they're not easy, but like, you know, fun team that wins a decent amount of games, has some games where they beat some good teams um, have some lapses here and there, but like all in all, you would look at them and say they're an above average team. I'm not ready to say they can't be that, but they're not that right now. And uh, I'm a little, I, I personally am disappointed by it, but I, that's partly because I, you know, I set myself up and was expecting them to be that. Um, where are you at on that? Yeah. I mean, when, when I was watching the the first game, right against Portland and they, they were up like seven or eight in the third. And I was like, all right, Kings, this is the game that you win yeah. if you want to be that team. Like yeah. this is where you sh- you you shut them out. You close you close the door on them. You're at home. First game. All of the bells season, are going you close crazy. Them out. Yeah. Yeah. You you close them out, and you just started to see it slip away. And again, to me, it just kind of goes back to if this King's construction was placed into the league four years ago. I think it would have been a top six or seven team in the West. But even, and there's no doubt that they made incremental improvements yeah, from last year. Better than last year, yeah. Like they, they brought in a lot of talent. Keegan Murray, Herter, Fox Monk. looks great. They brought in Monk. Yeah. But again, compare it to the rest of the league. This is still not a top half of the league team are really close in my opinion um i mean you have sabonis you make the trade for sabonis we've been saying it for years people in indiana were saying it for years he's a good fantasy player but he is not a good real life player he can't defend for shit and when he's not doing anything offensively he's a liability on on the floor um so i don't know it's really tough to make these these reactions and these judgments after the first week of play. They have a new head coach. Very small sample size, yeah. Very small sample sample size. But again, with how much talent is in the league, you can't afford to start falling behind. And it's just, I don't know. It looks like the defense, even though they're still giving up 118 points a game, the defense does at times it looked better than it did in previous years, which should be expected with a Mike Brown team. Yeah. But again, I I just, I don't know the eight teams that they are better than in the West or the nine teams or the 10 teams that they're better than in the West. Yeah. No, I I think they're 10 right now. Um, And yeah, I, I, it's hard to have even before the season put them there, but like, I get it, it just really, a lot of that stemmed from that, that Blazers game. That was like such an opportunity to feel good about, Hey, right. like, look at us, look just at close us. It out. We closed it out. We did it against a, 
you know, you hype them up against a good and improved Blazers team. And I mean, they were up five with, you know, like a little under five minutes left to go. Um, and, and they were beat. Like, you know, like they, they were absolutely beat in those five minutes. The, the Blazers got better shots. They just did. Um, but yeah, that, that that's where I was at. But um, do you got, do you have any teams, any other teams? Any other, uh, any other disappointments? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can reel a couple off. I don't really know what to think about Chicago. Like Chicago Chicago is so talented and that's that's another team that I have in mind that how long of a leash does Billy Donovan really have there like this team is over the luxury tax they traded the picks and they traded uh looking really Carter Jr. really tough that trade like to to get Vucevic like they are not they're not about to start tanking now and no I mean they 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 just convinced Levine to stay because they wanted to compete. You have DeRozan coming off, you know, an all NBA season looks great again this year. What's wrong? It's not all because Lonzo's gone. Like this team has the talent that should be a surefire top six team, not just a playing team, a top six team, in my opinion, in the, in, in the East. It's a deep team. They have good defenders, even with Lonzo out. Like there's no reason that this team should start to fall behind the pack. Um, so I don't know. What what are your kind of thoughts on? I'm not sure how much you've watched them. Yeah. Um, what I, are your thoughts? To me, it's it just all comes down to that defense. Um, and I I think it's a little bit of that old Blazers mold where like Levine is is not a good defender. Um, and I feel like Lonzo, you know, covered up a, a lot of those holes. And then when you are able to get downhill, Vooch is kind of similar to Sabo and where. I think I would definitely – I definitely have Vooch as a defender um, just because I, I feel like he's a little bit bigger and he's a little bit smarter, even if Sabo has a little bit quicker feet. I don't know. But but he, he he's not a good enough rim protector. And I'm watching a lot of these games. There's some really good rim protectors in the league where guys are getting downhill. And I, I don't know if you watch the Pistons-Pacers game, but Jalen Smith and even – Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson put on a clinic of just – blocking whether it just be already being down there or weak side it was it was crazy and the the hijacks had five blocks in 20 minutes yeah like it, they, it was insane that the, the Pistons couldn't get anything easy um and i i think that's just what it comes down to demar i i to me demar i have demar rated as a, a poor on ball defender um and, and pat williams is cool alex caruso is cool but like they, I just don't think they have enough consistently on defense, um, and, and it just gives it, it undoes all their hard work offensively. Yeah, and so I think those guys can grind them, like you said, through because of the talent offensively, to at best a five six seed. But I think we've honestly, I I think we've seen the ceiling with the Bulls is if at very best it's a second round exit. It to to me. In my eyes, with with the state of the league right now, can we can we collectively as a basketball community make the decision to stop calling every six six to six nine <laughs> wing that has some the sort of sh- shoulder build? Yeah, Kawhi, please. Yeah, please. Kawhi yeah, is one I'm of one, you. and I mean, 
I'm sorry. I, I feel bad for, for, for P. Will because that was all he was talked up to be, right? The next yeah. quiet. Just wait. Just wait. He's had in. Just wait. Not just even wait. close to that. Yeah. Dude, like this, first off, the, the 2020 draft class is not looking great. And the Bulls had the fourth overall pick in that draft. And missing, not saying that P. Will is not going to be a good rotation piece yeah, he, in the he, NBA, yeah. which he will be. But you draft somebody at four, you expect them to bare minimum be like, a solid third player on your team. He's not yeah. that. Um, that coupled with the Vucevic trade, uh, which I, I get why they did it. It made sense why they, you know, they were going for it. New ownership. They wanted to make a splash and they did it. But that the Lonzo trade, he's been hurt. Nobody, no one has any idea when he's coming back. I mean, yeah. they've had some, some, some poor fortune fall upon them. Like you can never blame an ownership group or a front office for going for it. But this kind of shows at times why teams don't, you know, because yeah. one injury or one missed draft pick, it's like all of a sudden you end up, you know, a middling mediocre, where are you going to go? Yeah. organization. And, and, and this is with like AO panning out as the best case scenario, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, where would they be without him? Dude? Like, like he's been a, a godsend for them, but yeah, they, it just, DeMar can only do there's there's just too much on his plate often like offensively they're gonna be fine I, I just think they're gonna give up far too many points uh, on most nights and like Levine is still I feel like not maybe he is healthy but like I don't feel comfortable with the knee either see see like to me like if I was in the Bulls front office, I guess two years ago when they started to go down, I mean, because the Bulls were shit for a while. And then they made this decision, hey, we're going to compete now. Yeah. I don't think I would have made very many changes with what they did, right? I think that they just, you know, like they drafted the guy who they thought was the right pick at four, which again, everyone, everyone talked Patrick Williams up to be the next Kawhi. They make the Vooch trade. They're super competitive that season. Then they go get DeMar DeRozan and turn him into a fringe MVP candidate. They get Caruso coming off an NBA title, who's great. They, they, you know, they tamper to get the Lonzo trade done. Yeah. So they bring in all of this talent. Like they've just had shit luck. Things haven't panned out, but it just sucks for them, you know, because I probably would have done a lot of similar things that they ended up doing. I'm with you, and I know hindsight's 2020. I'm with you on every single one of those. Every single one of those. I think the one where I'm like, and again, I know hindsight's 2020, but like, I don't, I don't do that Vooch deal. And I know, the Vooch deal, yeah. I know, like, Wendell has absolutely blossomed, but I think that's on them too. Like, did Wendell, uh, you know, situations, everything, but Wendell, this has always been you know, there with Wendell and it was on them to recognize that and, and, you know, do what they can to get the most out of that. And it's not that I don't think Vooch is a great player, but like when you have DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine as your guys offensively, that's a cool fit, right? Sure. But like, I, I think you need to, if those, if that's the construction, you need to prioritize defense around them. Um, and so that is the one trade where it was like, all right. And then obviously that pick turns into Franz and it's like, damn, if, if this team was instead of Vooch, Franz and Wendell, I, I'm feeling a lot better about, about this. Future. Yeah. But, but I know what you mean. I, I can't fault them for the P Willie pick. Um, 
you know, the Lonzo, I'm, I, if I can go get Lonzo, it's a pretty decent contract. They didn't like, did they even give up anything like a first maybe? Dude, but I mean, I mean, it makes you think, right? Like why was Lonzo even available in the first place? Yeah. It's like the Pels and, and everyone ripped the Pels at the time. They were like, yeah. remember this is, you know, year and a half ago, they hadn't started playing well. You know, they had just hired like Willie Green. Who the fuck's Willie Green? Yeah. And they, you know, lose out like Lonzo and, and they like, start what like are the hell doing? Yeah. Right. And, and all of a sudden Lonzo hasn't played at all. Yeah. And clearly like the medicals were awful on Lonzo, which is why yeah. they didn't want to keep him. Um, so it's all revisionist history and it's all sure. 2020 hindsight, but um, yeah, feel bad for bulls. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I know we spent a lot of, a lot of time on this point. We'll keep it quick. Um, but I, I do want to, I have to get your, your take on the Lakers, bro, because um, I, I think from what I've can sense, you know, we, we talk about basketball a decent amount. You weren't very high coming onto this, coming into the season with this team. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say I was high on this team, um, but I, I have a lot of respect for, for Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James and I, I don't know. I, I guess I was expecting, you know, you've had now a whole off season. They, you know, LeBron is such a competitor. I, I just felt like after such a shit year last year that those two were going to be so locked in and it was going to kind of bleed into the others and really seem like Darwin Ham was a guy who could give it to you straight, not really like communicate things that need to be communicated in a way that doesn't piss people off. And I don't know. I felt cautiously optimistic about the Lakers coming in this year. And, you know, after watching a couple games, they've had some bright moments here and there again, not the easiest schedule, uh, but it, it just, it's just not, not anywhere near enough. And I know we can go to the shooting thing and they obviously should have found more shooting um, in whatever way they could have done that. But like, it's just, it's just bad around those two. Like even Bron's always going to make the right play. And a lot of times his right play right now is just passing it to a guy who's in between thoughts and isn't fully ready to shoot or isn't good at shooting. And they'll like drive into some open space, realize that nothing's really here. They kick it out or it's Russ, you know, it's just, it's just really frustrating because when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, your ceiling can be so high and your floor can be so high. You just need to put a competent roster around those two. And it's just so far from that. It's just so far from that. Do you think that LeBron is at the point where he is content with what his accolades are for his career? Like so That's a great question. I, and I think off the dome, I would say no. But when you watch, it almost seems like he's at the, that point where it's like, dude, I, Jesus couldn't save this team. I'm just going to ball out. But it was the same way last year, though, right? Where it's like you see the body language. You see like, hey, if things start you know, spiraling out of control, LeBron from four years ago with like takes over, put his foot in the ground, yeah. take over every possession. He's driving barely to the rim. Yeah. Granted, he's older, you know, his body's taking a beating. He has a lot of miles on him, but I just watch LeBron. It seems like that. Yeah. And I see a guy that signs the extension this last summer. And it's like, why would he sign an extension with this team? Like this team is going nowhere. Yeah. Like the, 
the front office has proven time and time again to be incompetent. Why is he re-signing there? And so you start to think like big picture LeBron, his kids are in high school. He's living in Los Angeles. He has this production company. He's in movies. He's about to be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He has his titles. He has his MVPs. He's going to go down as the best or second best player of all time. He's made his mark. So it just makes me think when I watch these games and I see him get his numbers, but a lot of it is just stat padding. Like, does he care? Like, does it matter? I think, uh, no, I think those are all valid points. But I think my guess would be at this point, if, if, if he, I think he does care. But if, if he made that the, not even necessarily the priority, but if that was in the forefront of his mind, he would just be miserable. You know, like it would just take so much and it probably wouldn't be enough. And yeah, I, I just don't think he has enough juice slash. He's already done and accomplished all these things. Um, but I think he would just be miserable if he approached it as like, we need to get back. We need to do this. Like we need to be there. Um, and I think it would make everyone around him miserable. And I think honestly, he probably wouldn't even be able to get the most out of him by just, you know, just putting too much pressure on a group that, yeah, I, I think he knows. So instead of fighting it, I think that's his approach has just been like, all right, I can fight it or I can just kind of, you know, continue to dominate statistically. And I think dominate statistically and, I, I don't know about you. I still think this team makes the playoffs. Like, obviously, if they, if one of those two go down for any large stretch, they they probably don't. But if I had to guess right now, they're they're gonna be one of the eight teams that play for the playoffs. <laughs> but now that I, th- I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You might be right, bro. I don't know if, if you can say that with any real. Dude, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know, dude. I, I mean, they're just beginning to be more and more parallels between the end of Kobe's career and then LeBron's career with the Lakers like just the overall attitude that they have towards winning it just seems non-existent you know it's just it just feels like it's a lot of stat padding um so so I I don't know I I sure as shit we, we just spent you know an hour and a half talking about how much talent there is in the league right now the Lakers are nowhere close to any of these teams that we just spoke about yeah. Like, I, dude, th- their next like eight or nine games are a gauntlet. gauntlet like, it very yeah. well could be zero and eleven to start the season. Yeah, and you can't really um, afford a hole like that. And it's like, and, and it's not. I don't want to fucking hear out of the Lakers camp. Like, hey, we got to give it time to see if this works in the new ham system. We have a fucking eighty-two game sample size. Russ, AD, and LeBron do not work together. Like let's not wait until game 20 to pull the trigger. If you're trying to compete, if you're trying to compete, your GM just got an extension. Like you make the move now. If there's any package available right now, you have to do it. And and I think that's the, we're going to get cut off here. Um, We'll we'll just finish up with the Lakers. Um, And I know we've already spent a lot of time, but I I think the thing that we, I always just come back to that. Mm -hmm. If I were a Lakers fan would just, really bummed me out is like it just it just didn't have to be this way like it, it you you see what Kuz is doing you see what KCP is doing like 
Caruso, like I, I'm sure Caruso would have came back on a somewhat team friendly deal as long as it was as it was like reasonable, right? KCP is an extremely sought after player. The point where a championship <clears throat> contender, you know, made it a priority to get him. Who's is blossoming in Washington, and I know like we're in the present now, but it, I that is where I just keep going back on where it's like it. It's frustrating to me as a basketball fan to see two talents like that essentially get wasted. And it was, it really just came down purely to incompetence because that trade never made any sense. It never made any sense. And you, you literally, I would rather have KCP straight up than Russ. I'd rather have Kuz straight up than Russ. I'd rather have Caruso straight up than Russ. And it's, here we are. Yeah incompetence that led to a contract extension uh for Polinka, which is yeah. just mind-boggling absolutely mind-boggling but yeah dude i mean like everyone always points to like like oh the lakers got their like disney title or whatever but like to, at what cost like you give up lonzo you give up ingram you give up all the picks that's not what killed the lakers what killed the lakers was the rust trade like yeah. This, if that trade never happened, like again, more revisionist history. But if you still have Kuz, KCP, you you retain Caruso's rights. Um, that team is still a title contender. I mean, they they were up two sure. one on Phoenix before AD got hurt. Ago before AD got hurt, as yeah. the, they were the, they were the two seed, right? Uh, two years ago, I think they were. Or no. I think the was Suns Phoenix, were the higher seed. I think Phoenix, the Phoenix was the two. We were, we were the seven. Yeah, because of some injuries during the regular season. But right. yeah, before 80 went down, that was looking like a 50-50 series. Right. If not leaning, if honestly, not towards the Lakers. leaning Lakers. Yeah. And it's like, that was the deal that, that fucked things over, you know? Yeah. And it just sucks. Like, now this team realistically, like, what is the path to contention in the next realistically the only path to contention in the next three four five years is trading ad um to get back some sort of package of of picks and young players and restarting um because where they are at right now they don't have the assets to bring in and again we've been talking about talent nonstop. their three through 12 could be the worst in the nba right now they don't yeah. have the assets to bring in not even like peripheral talent, like rotation, starting level talent. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't get changed if Russ gets dealt. Like, sure, you bring in one or two pieces that might help win you games to get you into the play-in. But this team is so far away from what Boston and Golden State and Milwaukee and Philly are right now. As a Laker fan, it's like, what's the point? Like, what are we even doing? Yeah. And it's, and that's, I just know that's not the Lakers' way. They just don't do it that way. And I know it's so painful for this ownership group to go through the, the lean years after Kobe, where it was just years and years of losing. Yeah. But look what it got you to, right? You had a great scouting department that got guys like Josh Hart. Thomas Bryant, Kyle Kuzma, Ingram, you know, Caruso off the Randall. streets, Ingram, of course, Lonzo, Randall, yeah. like Nance, clearly, Nance, like they, they've Angelo. shown me. Holy shit, dude! 
they, but they lost for like three, four years in a row to get, to put themselves in that position. Thing is, they don't really have, I mean, they have swaps with New Orleans, which don't look like they're great, obviously. So they need to sell off and start to accumulate other teams' picks and look to obtain young talent. That's what I want as a Laker fan, because watching this for another 82 games of them trying to figure it out, LeBron getting older, wasting AD's prime, that's not fun for anyone. No, I I was talking to another Lakers fan a couple months ago, and and I'll try to summarize it, but he kind of echoed that, where it's like, once Braun comes there, it like almost like he 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 talks about you know the a lot of the fun part of being a fan is like theorizing about trades and like draft picks and you know this and that but when lebron comes there that all changes it feels like whenever he comes there he just brings whether it's him or the front office he just brings his role players that he wants um and you kind of lose that team and gm aspect of it it just becomes you know let, we got to do everything we can to win now and, and optimize Braun and, and you lose the team building aspect of being a fan. And it, yeah, it's just, it's just gotta be frustrating to. But what's to crazy is they had that, like they oh, had yeah. a great blend right. of it before the rust trade. Like they, they still had homegrown guys in Coos and Caruso on that team and i know that kcp wasn't a home he was drafted by detroit but kcp built his career as a three and d guy in la yeah um and you know you make that deal and the rest is history you know that's how lebron's career ends and so i would be crazy curious to be a fly on the wall on the day they made that trade to hear what his thoughts were i mean clearly he gave it the go ahead right i mean they wouldn't have made that deal without his approval and but, so it begs the question like oh. who like always the guy or the guys that lebron wanted above russ that he thought would take them over the top but those guys weren't available so they settled on russ was there something that happened did they envision caruso wanting to leave anyway so they were like hey let's get what we can yeah didn't caruso say they didn't he didn't even get a call well, he, got, he got a call, but it was like ten million dollars in total value under one under what the Bulls out. Uh, yeah. yeah, under what the Bulls had given him. Yeah, it, uh, I'm with you, bro. It's just like, uh, it's just insane that there's you know brain trust. There's only thirty teams. There's brain trust that came together and reached the conclusion that that was going to help them basketball wise. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Let's keep it moving, bro. Uh, we got a couple more things to get to. Let's get to the rookies um, that set out to us. And, and obviously, you know, we have the, the high picks, and I think we'll have a lot of similar players. Um, I, I wanted to start out with Keegan. Um, I think that's a – I think he's a huge, huge swing piece for the Kings. And to me, it's not a perfect comparison, Um but right now I see I, I see a lot of Middleton, just like a very reliable offensive player that can score at all three levels, uh, just looks comfortable, never really sped up, can catch the ball at the mid post and score in a face up fashion uh, using footwork. Really reliable as a wide open guy. Um, I haven't seen a ton of him getting to the rim, um, 
but I, for me, you know, even the difference, I, I think I could be wrong, but I think if Keegan is there for that first game and he plays the way that he's played these last two games, they win that Blazers game. Um, but I've just been, I know he came in probably as the most NBA ready guy, but it's still a lot to come into, um, you know, especially off the bench. I, I think he's going to start moving forward. I, that is just Mike Brown trying to get too cute. There's no reason that KZ Akpala should be starting. Um, but I've been, I've been even more impressed than I thought I'd be. He just looks so solid. I don't know how – I'd be curious to see what you think the upside is. Um, but I think he's going to be a legitimate 20-plus scorer a game who's a high IQ, move the ball to the right spot, find the space, um, and good culture guy. I think that's exactly – to me, he's almost like a Halliburton just as a wing, which is what they needed more, where, like, the upside isn't insane – but he's a guy who you definitely need culture-wise and basketball-wise to get to that next step as a winning group. Yeah, I don't really see the peak of Keegan being anything too crazy. Like define too crazy. Like I, I don't I don't even know if I see him at a Middleton level, like a like really? a back half of the all-star type guy maybe potentially the thing i, think with I keegan, do like the, the thing with keegan and you had brought up what his issue was was i haven't seen him drive to the basket i haven't seen him drive to the basket that was that was his issue in college like he had crazy numbers in college but a lot of it was transition buckets and his shot and his shot's great his shots definitely he's like he's tall he's got high release point like he's gonna get his shots but i think what kind of separates a really good level player and i think a good comp for him is like a harrison barnes like someone that is great shooter you know athletic makes the right play was i mean harrison barnes was a massive rotation piece on a title team like that's no knock on what keegan murray can be but the difference is a guy like Chris Middleton is not afraid to put the ball on the floor. Like he has three level scoring. He gets to the line. And that was the first thing that I looked at tonight. Now I haven't watched any of Keegan Murray, the first two games. And I mean, he's playing 38 minutes in a game. They lost by five to the defending champions. So clearly he's good. Like he's a legit NBA player as he should be. He's the oldest yeah. player in the draft. Yeah. Um, but the stars like the, the guys that you want as your one or your two are guys that get to the line and guys that can finish off the dribble that's not keegan murray it's my same issue with jabari smith jabari smith does not look comfortable dribbling the ball and that's an issue if you're looking for him if you're drafting him to be your one now again keegan murray he for all i know he could end up being a 38 to 40% three-point shooter, be a great defender, smart team player. I just don't envision him as being like a one or a two really. This on NBA. Field. Yeah. Totally with you there. Um, and I, I don't even, I, I don't even really disagree uh, with anything. I think if there were to be anything, I think it would be. It's it's hard to even put it into words, but I think 
maybe he doesn't have the overall, you know, star power of a one or a two, but the impact on winning, I think, is going to be very, very high. Like, I, I just think he's a guy that whenever he's out there, that that group of five that are out there is going to be a good five. Dude, uh, that's why that's why I think that Harrison Barnes is a good comp. Harrison Barnes, high draft pick. Harrison Barnes, three and D wing that is athletic. He was just never like, hey, we're gonna run set plays for you at the top of the perimeter, and, I, and you're you're gonna get a bucket for us. I totally see the Harrison thing. I think for me, I'm just lower on Harrison. Uh, having watched career wise, career wise, yeah, like I. Okay. To me, Harrison is a uh, no, no doubt a, a solid role player. I don't ever felt like he moved the needle, like even all like slightly. I, I would say what the best version of Harrison was. Where was he? Was he in Dallas for? Yeah. So in, in Dallas. Say, yeah. The best version of Harrison was Dallas. So I, what, what do you think his numbers were in Dallas for just looking at numbers? I think his best season, he probably averaged 20. I would say 20, 21 with five boards, two and a half, three assists. Yeah. So he was for two seasons in Dallas. I'm just combining the, the two seasons. Yeah. Um, before he got traded to Sacramento was, yeah, 19 a game, six boards, two assists, a steal, shot, you know, 36 39% from deep, like just someone that is a third best player on a team. I, I, I think I, I me, could I could see him being better than that. Like he he's proven to be a an elite, not just a good and lethal um scorer, but I just don't see like again, I think that your your first or second best player has to be able to score at all three levels and has to get to the line. And he's not the guy that does that. That's never that's been fair. his game. That's fair. I think on a team where you do have guys that do that, he could, I think, peak be a three on a championship team. And I think Harrison, I felt, I'm not going to say he was a purely a stats guy, but uh, having watched him, there were plenty of times where I, to me, it felt like he was a, a Tobias, you know, where like he's a smart defender, right? He's not, you're not looking at him and saying he's a dumb basketball player, but I think there's just plenty of times within the flow of a game where he does something that isn't the optimal choice there. And he, and I think Keegan is a guy that I'm, you know, again, we've only watched him for two games where I'm seeing him and one, obviously the shot's really good. And I think I have more confidence in that than Harrison's, but two, I feel like he's actually understanding the game of basketball and understanding um, what the, what the right choice, what the optimal choice is pretty damn quickly. Like, there were very few times, whereas we're, you know, I'm watching Jaden Ivey and, and he got off to a great start, but Jaden Ivey, every time he had the ball was just head down, going as fast as he could, just trying to get to the rim where Keegan, yeah. I can actually see a game plan where I can wow. actually see, he's not pre-deciding what he's doing. He's reacting to what's there. Um, and that's just really satisfying for me to see someone this early. It, again, that's why I made the Halliburton comparison where, yeah, they're not the most athletic. They're not the most, you know, dynamic, um, but they're almost always making the right play. And that's, that's just rare from someone who just comes in the league right away, but he is obviously very older. Um, 
and I, I I've just enjoyed him, and I'm I'm rooting for him for sure. Yeah, dude, and, and that's the other thing with Keegan is like, I mean, he is older. Like he's 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 yeah. probably older than some of the rotation guys in Sacramento. In Sacramento, like, yeah, he's, for sure. He's a lot older than everyone else in the draft class, so he should look right off the bat like the most polished scorer. Um, which I don't think that's and player in general. Yeah. Player in general. And I don't even think that's the case. Like uh, we need to talk about Paolo. Um, yeah. Because that's... Paolo's that guy. He's him. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I. Props to you, bro. I, I will say you have not even just like, you know, everyone kind of gets into hype for the draft, like, a, a you know, a couple months out. You were banging the Paolo drum all year. Dude, he. I saw a video of him must've been like three or four years ago at like one of those Jamal Crawford, like Seattle pro-am things. And Paolo was like 15 at the time. And he was just bigger, like the shoulders bigger than everyone else. But at that point he was like primarily handling the ball. Like he hadn't grown big enough to be like his power forward type stature now. So he was just running point. But like the vision the body control, like the body control is something that you see in like a six, seven year player. Like someone yeah. that's been in the league for a half decade. Right. His body control is nuts. And everyone always brought up like the Blake Griffin comp, which I always thought was kind of weird. Yeah. Like Paolo's processing and his, his ability to obviously make the right reads, but the right passes consistently. That was never Blake until he was five years into the league. Like yeah. Blake was and, and Blake was athletic. Blake was never in a position to like make like he was a post up or a role guy, you know, like not a give the guy and like go create for us. Yeah. Um like, but it, dude it, it, unbelievable. It it was just I don't know. Like I so who who would your uh and real quick for those that don't know, 23, 5 and 3, 20, 12 and 2, 27, 9 and 5. We'll say the Magic are dealing with some injuries. Um, probably puts a little bit more on his plate, but still, like, honestly, like, I mean, he's their guy already, right off the bat. Already. Um, who would you see? Because I have mine in mind, and I honestly haven't watched a ton of ton of Magic. I, I've made sure to go look, you know, through all his highlights. Um, who's a guy that comes to mind? And I know, you know, these guys are all their own players, but um, I, I'm with you. I don't. I don't. I don't really get the Blake call. I mean, I get no. it, but I don't see it. Um, who, what's your comp? <clears throat> I don't know. It's he's such a unique player. Um, <clears throat> like th- there's not really like a, a comp that comes to mind. Like I just thought that like the Blake and the Randall comps were ridiculous when they were happening, but I, I really can't think of one player that he like. So. I, I, you've been, you've been all on Paulo. I'm not like, you know, for, I, we watch it so much, like almost every player in the league, I, I have an idea of, you know, their shot profile, how they try and get their shots, what it looks like. It's still very early on in that process. And so I'm, I actually very much want to hear what you think of this comp to me when I see him and I see the size, the length, the ability to isolate, from really anywhere, whether it's like even the top of the key or mid post um, and make decisions and score. 
Uh, I think of some JT. I think JT's a little bit more offensively polished, obviously, right? But like even maybe at that age. Uh, but that's who I come to mind. What do you see are the similarities between these two? But honestly, where, where do you think they differ for you? Well, I think that that JT is a much, much more pure of a shooter than, than Paolo is. Like JT only within the last calendar year has, has started to learn how to use his body to get points. A lot of Paolo's points are using his body. body. Whereas JT, like, you know, he has this throw. He struggled like, getting he, the line early on in his career. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be something that, that Paolo is going to deal with. Like he's going to get hacked yeah. nonstop. Yeah. I, I can definitely see the JT thing because of the processing, like they, they, they make the right reads consistently. I just don't know if Paolo's ever going to get to the level as a shooter that JT is or really, really anything close. Like, I think if Paolo gets to 35% from deep, I think that's a massive accomplishment for him. I think he'll probably be like a, 31, 32, maybe 33% three-point shooter, which is fine as long as he keeps the defense honest. So he's going to be just this downhill freight train of a guy. Like, yeah. like a not Zion, but like that shot, that type of shot profile. Like, does he have the mid post like Dude, footwork I, into a bucket? I, I, this is going to be really weird, but oh, let's get weird. I think of him. As like, if you were to mix Carlos Boozer and Pau Gasol, Jeez. but like, but like someone that like could develop an outside shot. That like sounds I, disgusting. Like I, I think if Pau Gasol was in today's NBA, he would be a you know an amazing, amazing player. Um, I think maybe like maybe like LaMarcus Aldridge to an extent a little bit too, but like he has the vision of what Gasol is makes the right reads of Gasol, but he's like a bulkier, like can get to the rim. Like he's going to body people. He's going to be a great rebound. He's probably going to be a a 10 rebound, a guy or rebound, a game guy for a long time. So that's kind of what, what I see that blend of. Like he has way better gotcha. processing than Randall, way better processing than Blake Griffin. Like that's not his game. He's not like a crazy – I mean, he had that that crazy poster dunk, but like that's not what I think of him as. I think of him as like just bodying people, bodying. Just, yeah. That's kind of what, what my mind goes to. Is like I love it. Between Boozer. And I also I also see some mellow, but he's just mm. not the shooter that mellow is. But like the yeah. – the, Broad shoulders. Broad shoulders. I feel that. I feel that. I'm excited. A a, a super polished. I don't really know if like a back to the basket game is a thing anymore, but that sort of like mid range, he should become a mid range master with the type of build that he has. Perfect, bro. I'm excited. When when Kel gets back, I'll I'll lock into that magic team a little bit more. But um, definitely excited to see him. Um, All right, let's blaze through a couple more rookies before we get into our um, five and we can quickly do, you know, a couple guys that we have a leaps. Um, I saw some Jalen Dern. Um, I loved watching him. Um, clearly, you know, the, the, the processing for him is still so, but the, the physical traits are insane. Um, just jumps out the gym. So strong, so long, so big. Like if you develop him 
mentally, he could be really, really good. I had a ton of fun watching him. Um, obviously, I know you've watched a ton of Shaden. It was, it's been really cool for me as a fan to actually see him out there after there being so much mystery surrounding him. Um, and then I think, I think the big one, bro, that that we have to talk about that I'll give you the floor for is, is Benedict Matherin. He's scored the most points in his first three games uh, for a rookie since 1995. Um, it's been off the bench and he just looks so he's, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit. I don't, I don't even know enough about Benny yet to comp the game, but it reminds me of when it's a little different, but I haven't seen a guard come in and just be this ready to go since Donovan Mitchell came in with, with the jazz and it was just electric. I watched that, that game against the pace uh, against the Pistons. And in this guy's third game, I was, I, I had bet the Pistons and I was just, every time he touched it, you just felt super uncomfortable because he looked so comfortable and he looked like he wasn't sped up or anything. He could take the jumper. And if you were too close, he could get to the rim, just a confident bucket already. And I know you watch a lot of college basketball. You're a Pac-12 guy. Um, what have, what have been your, your takeaways watching him? I know you watch Isaiah Jackson, so you've seen him. Yeah, no, he's been, he's been ridiculous. Like I, I thought he was going to be good. I, I thought he was going to be like rotation level good, but like what he has shown in the first three games, <clears throat> this is like <laughs> your, your best player type shit that he's doing. Like he's like one a, and we talked about it, like three level score. Can you get to the rim? Like, can you draw fouls? Can you get to the line? Like what he did at Arizona, I felt like a lot of it was volume. Like he always had the rock. Um, And I felt like coming into the NBA, like he was a good outside shooter. So I thought like, all right, this is kind of going to be his mold. Like he's going to be a guy that's going to hustle. He's going to play, you know, firm defense and KCP. yeah and that was my comp yeah and like what he's doing right kcp's never done anything like this no. like he has full dribble packages and you're right like he's attacking the rim like ivy attacks the rim he's yeah. not as athletic that as ivy is but i mean dude like you start looking at some of this like per 36 per 100 possession stuff with with matherin it's scary yeah and like you compare him to the other, it's kind of tough to call him a guard because he's like six six. He's like big, he's big. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the other guards that have come out in recent years, they're like six one, six two, six three, that like struggle with the size of For the sure. NBA, and it takes them a while to come around. He's six six and he played a year in college. He's not, you know, like sharp right out of right out of high school. And right. guys like you know, Jalen Green that struggled, Darius Garland that struggled. Like it, it took him some time to get used to the physicality. Like he's ready Pretty for there. his size. Yeah. Um, they got to move on from Buddy Healed. Like they got to get him out of there, dude. Yeah. He's Matherin needs to be starting. And this guy, like, the sky's the limit. Like I, I have n- no idea what he can be. Yeah. Like, let me run you through these per th- and again. He hasn't he hasn't played Three a games. ton of minutes, but he's Three played games. enough minutes for yeah. these to be like, okay, these are eye popping. Per 36 minutes, 30 points, eight rebounds, two and a half assists, shooting 52% from deep. 
like yeah six free throw attempts like and, and you, i'm just imagining like the more comfortable he gets with with the ball they're going to start feeding him more he's going to attack the rim even more yeah. so all those free throw numbers and those percentages should go up it's crazy yeah. uh, like no, to me like... it has been like the i guess kind of surprising but like from what i thought he was going to be he's been the most impressive rookie to me yeah i'm with you and he, and you know they got that backcourt pairing like tyrese is that's you know that's what you're looking for when you're rebuilding is like all right let's let's corner off a part of our team that we feel really really good about and then build around and they've already kind of found that backcourt pairing that they you know even last year it was brogdon and whoever and now you have this although i i I don't think Rick's the coach and I don't no, no, no. like, I, I couldn't think of a, actually a worse coach to coach a rebuilding team than Rick Carlisle. So we'll see how that goes. I'm hoping he is able to get the most out of him, And it seems like Benny is going to, to be good regardless, but yeah. I, they I have a fun that. team, dude. They're, they're going to steal some games this year for sure. They have no. a lot, a lot of talent. No, I, I, watched that whole game and uh really impressed with with Jalen Smith honestly as a as a rim protector obviously you know Isaiah Jackson as a, a rim roller and a weak side pr- protector and and Goga looks pretty comfortable they're, they're running like these three bigs and they're all bringing a little something different um and yep. then you have Tyrese and Benny and and uh Duarte actually kind of pissed me off but um you know he, he's fun cool. back court moving forward though dude i mean For sure. terry halberton like i like I, I i know that you and i spoke about it before that 2020 draft like who i thought was you know drafted too low and i mentioned halliburton i never thought he was going to be anywhere close to this yeah. like he's running like a high octane offense now and no. he doesn't need the ball to be in his hands at dude, all times he's He's so smart. He he's the one of those guys where you just see like basketball just makes sense to them, right? Like there's so many guys out there who are so skilled and have all these things, but like when it comes to the actual game, it's moving really fast for them. Tyrese not even just offense, like not even just on offense where where like yeah, he doesn't need the ball. He's always making one the right read, but like he does the little things that just help you grind out wins. But there were so many times like he just at least five times in that game against the Pistons where he did something where I was like, dude, like that will not get noticed, but that was huge. There was one where he had like, there was an offensive rebound. He goes up and gets it with one hand. And before even coming down, whipped a pass to a wide open shot. Yeah. You know, like there's so many guys that just get the rebound. All right, let's reset. Before he was back, even on the ground, the ball was out to the, to the wide open shooter. And it's just, he's like a, he's a better version of what LaMelo is. Yeah. I would, I would honestly, I think that's a hot take. I would take Holly over, over LaMelo. Oh, for, for sure, sure, dude. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. it's all, it's all the mind. All right, bro. We are grinding this one out. I'm going to send you one last invite and uh, right. we'll get out of here. All right. Um. Well, I, before we go, any if if you do have a rookie that you came on here wanting to talk about that we haven't talked about, you, go ahead. Yeah, the only other guy that, that comes to mind is Christian Brown. Mm. Brown, Brown. It is Brown. It is Brown. Brown. Um, he's he's going to play minutes for this Denver team. 
this year. Yeah. Um, they still felt like a guy short to me. Um, you know, and they did bring in shooting with KCP, but that's starting. Like the guys they all brought in, they're going to be starting. And then you have yeah. Bruce Brown, who's very hit or miss. Yeah, the bench is it gets a little thin. iffy. It's a little iffy, yeah. It gets thin. And so I see him as a guy that can step in. He was a 40% shooter from deep in college. You know, low-key athletic. Now we're saying that about a white guy. But um, <laughs> no, he, he's athletic. He's athletic. Yeah. And, and but I'm not sure how much you've watched of this Denver team, but Bones doesn't look great. Yeah, I've heard. Does does not look great. And then you have Ish Smith, and that's the guard rotation. Um, so I would not be surprised if he plays legit 15, 18 yeah. minutes a night for him this year, and he's looked good so far. No, and and honestly, if you're you're in off the bat with with Malone, like that's a good sign. Like he's Dude, he's a guy that really is hard to win over early on. And and as a rookie shooting guard, I mean like, could you ask for a better situation? Like you're getting minutes with the best passer in the okay. league. Like, yeah. All you got to do is just shoot, stand there and shoot. Absolutely. Yeah. bro. Um, I'm with you. And, and dude, Denver, just great track record drafting. Like I, yep. I really, you know, Jerry's still out on Zeke, but I feel like other than him, just they've hit. Um, and it looks like they did it again with Christian. All right, let's get to uh, a guy. A guy or two that you've just been really impressed with, you know, the jump. And I, I feel like it's it's also kind of harder to find because I feel like there's a lot of times where you've always felt like this player was that the situation just for whatever reason didn't work out. Um, and that's that's kind of how I feel about my player, but it, it's De'Aaron. Um, and and it's a little bit of both. I feel like, hey, he has had this in him. But at the same time, I think the, where the real difference is is the consistency in the jumper. And yes, it's only been three games. Um, even though I will say at the end of the last year, it it, it ticked up. Um, but I think we're we're looking at a guy who's a legitimate all star. Who obviously it's not looking like they'll be winning really anytime that soon. Um, but a guy that you feel confident to lead a group that can have hopes of getting there. Um, and it's just so rare that you, you combine someone where like, you know, guys like Russ have insane athleticism or John wall in the past. And honestly, John wall has some body control, but it's just, it's a crazy combination of athleticism and speed, but also just incredible body control. Um, it's not just, you know, line drive drives to the bucket where he's just faster than you there are so many times where they are playing him to do that and he is able to make a, a secondary move or a euro to create space for a shot or to create a situation where they you know you're bringing the big over and they think you're going to shoot so you can pa pass it off i just think now that he has the consistency of the shot and, and the the comfortability that comes with it like he he looks fully comfortable taking mid-range jumpers three-pointers i think he's shooting honestly 50 percent or, or better from three so far obviously early um he's just you know he's a guy i've always loved um and i felt like he just got labeled as that non-winner stats guy that just we do when a guard puts up stats and they don't win um but i think he was who i was really excited to watch and i've i've been really happy with uh what i've seen from him in the first three games despite the record i don't he takes some of the blame for that first game in crunch time, sure. 
Um, but it's definitely not his fault that they're 0-3. So do you think that like the the Halliburton trade was necessary for him to get to this point? It's a great question because it, it basically the question that arises from that for me is like, if you can't be your best version with someone as smart and as good as Halliburton, then how good are you? But I mean, it's just really hard to say that he would be this if Halliburton's there when you see like how drastic the difference has been post Halliburton, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't think he'd be that because right now you can just see it whenever he wants, I, he can get the ball, right? Like he has complete freedom to do whatever he wants. And when he was on the court with Halliburton, Halliburton had the ball a lot and he could have his stretches where he had it, but it's just, I feel like there's a different level of freedom and confidence when you're playing the game, when you know that your team is relying on you and really solely you as the offensive creator. I just think it unlocks, you know, uh, a, a confidence, which is, is really necessary. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's not a great look, I guess that it, it was never even like, promising with those two there when it i guess should have been um but i i'm not gonna i guess knock them for it if that makes yeah sense. i mean the the shot looks a lot better yeah. um and it needed to right i mean if it wasn't he was on super thin ice uh, at least you would think yeah. in sacramento because i mean that's what the rest of the league thought of him as um i don't know i'm you, not you, I'm you don't not, have yeah, go ahead. I just want to make sure you feel comfortable not agreeing. No, I, I'm, I'm just not sure if, if Sacramento is like the spot for him. Like, is Sacramento the spot for anyone though? No, and I think it's unfair. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think all, all the guards that like have these, you know, they're, they're non-winner labels like i i don't know I, I don't even really know where i'm going with it he he's been impressive so far i i want to give it you're a not couple sold. weeks that's fair you're you're not sold as as a guy on a really on a good team on a really good well, team. and it's not even really for me about the offense like that's not as much of of my concern as the defense like this is his now fifth or sixth fifth year in the league I think it's honestly a sixth. Sixth. He has major, major lapses on the defensive end that someone that's in their fifth or sixth year in the league should not have. Like back cuts, going under, going over the screen when he shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, you know, and like that's what happened down the stretch, like in that game against Portland. I saw it multiple times where he was not in position, not where he needed to be. So it's more the defensive end, but from an offensive perspective, he looks great. Like the shot looks awesome. He's getting to his spots on the floor. Like we kind of spoke about earlier, he has some shooters that clear it out and they haven't really had that for a while. They've had, yeah. you know, Mo Harkless and Davion <laughs> Mitchell that can't shoot yeah. and they just clog the paint. Um, so let's see, let's give it a little bit more time, but offensively he looks back to where he was before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's hear you. The, the, the main guy that I kind of wanted to highlight was Josh Giddy. Um, 
I think that a lot of people thought of Josh Giddy as like, uh, is this guy Michael Carter Williams? Like, is that what this is going to be? Uh, Giddy just needs to be like a 30, 31% shooter from deep. And like the sky's the limit offensively. Like what this guy does, I mean, he's six eight, six nine, can facilitate, he's athletic, he's not terrible defensively. No. Um and he can uh, get downhill. Dude, and, like and he's finish at his, the cup. Like his free throw rate should go up this season. Like I, I watched him the other night against Denver. Like he's getting to the rim, like with ease whenever he wants to. He knows how to run an offense. He's clearly very intelligent. He's still only 20 years old. Um, so I, I'm, he's piqued my interest. He's not just like, oh, this is the fun fantasy guy on this shitty yeah. OKC team. Like, this is a guy that looks like he can legit lead a good offense. No, um, and he's shown 100%. those signs so far. I, I love that call. And I think that's, again, something that just gets lost because they're in OKC. I, I feel like, and because of like the nature of you know a white point guard who can't shoot, um, Josh Giddy is one of those guys where basketball just you can call him a basketball genius. Where basketball just makes so easy sense to them, you know, and it comes so easy. And you're not ripping your hair hair out like you. They are seeing things that you don't see, and you're watching from this up court view, you know. And yeah, I think you just think you know six eight doesn't have this what white doesn't have this like crazy dribble package he will go right by you he will literally just go right by you and he's huge he's honestly huge he can finish in the trees with everyone and he sees everything like everything i've seen so many passes in transition in the half court uh the guy's already in a, like an elite passer in this league elite. Uh, i would yeah. say um and so if you just pair yeah like you said if if he just gets a standstill jumper when he's open from three i mean the, the sky's the limit i i'm so in on on the thunder and what Dude, they and, are and he's doing all this stuff like getting to the rim without having i feel like a legit screener or a legit role man like the yeah. guys think about the guys that he's playing with as his rollers jeremiah <laughs> robinson earl basely Poku, Poku. like Kenrich uh, Williams. Yeah. Like imagine Chet. Like imagine Chet or any serviceable big that yeah. like any legit seven foot big that could screen for him to get him yeah. open. And he's doing it on his own, really. Um, so yeah, Giddy. And then uh, I know we're kind of short for time. So there were three other guys that kind of quickly stood out to me. Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins has it's, I don't even know if it's a leap or if it's just sustained excellence from Wiggins that I didn't anticipate. Like, yeah, he was good in his role the last couple of years for the Warriors, but that was it. It was like, you are in your role. All within that role, yeah. Yeah, we're not asking you to do too much. Just stand there and shoot, play defense. Um, so good. Dude, he's been so good. And like, that was the knock on him earlier, earlier in his career. Like he didn't want to rebound. He didn't want to get physical. He looked uncomfortable in the mid range. Like now he is, he's put it all together. Like 38% from deep He's getting to the line, still rebounding. Like, dude, I just rebounds like a motherfucker. 
Yeah, he's he's so good. And and yeah, he he has this level. I feel like the first two years were all about um kind of figuring out what the offense is all about because it's a completely different system than anyone else in the NBA runs. And I feel like now that he's comfortable in this role, um yeah, offensively he just has a little bit more he he knows the areas and the situations and the spots that he can have the freedom to improvise and, and be himself. And he's always kind of had that talent. I just felt like it was, you know, confidence. Um, but this is like, we are seeing peak Andrew Wiggins, like the best version of it. And it's really, really good. And I'm happy for him that he didn't sign some, you know, four year, someone else. Yeah. Cause I think you would have reverted back to Minnesota Wiggins where sure. it's like, all right, I'm the one, a guy, let me go yeah. take 25 shots and shoot, you know, 42% from the field. Exactly. And I think he realized that. And that's, that's why he's here. And it's, it's been very, very satisfying, yeah. um, but I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. And then my other two, we kind of already touched on him, but Tyrese Halliburton, he's taken his game to a, a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, I hope they, they don't start doing the shutdown thing with him because they're tanking because he's too much fun to watch. Yeah. And he's durable. Like, you know, like that's not a guy where you have questions about nagging things. Like he not a guy you rest. And I, I hope, and, and I think the thing with him too, when we go back into the whole culture thing, like, like getting, he's going to make all those bigs and all those other young players so much better like just by playing with him that it just, it does more harm than good. I feel like to, to hold him out when he's legitimately healthy, but he's been yeah. incredible. And I played yeah. him week one and he just absolutely <laughs> tanked me, bro. So yeah, I, I had a front row seat for it. And, and um, then the, the other one was just Keldon Johnson. I, I just, I love his game. Like I think he's a super fun player to watch. Um, I don't really know what the Spurs are going to do this year, but he's another guy. I hope they don't shut. I mean, I guess all three of the guys I just listed, Giddy, Keldon, and Hallie, they all could get shut all down. Have some potential point. to get shut down, yeah. He looks like a legit – I don't know if he's a number one, but I think he's a legit number two on, on a good team. Or I think he can be that. Um, yeah. He's kind of taking those incremental jumps. Like two years ago, 12 points a game. Last year, 19. This year, he's you know close to mid-20s. So I've just been impressed with him. Yeah. I'm with you on, on all those, bro. I don't really have anyone else that like, I feel like it's also still early. Um, there's like some role players that have looked good to start um, that I'm with you on. But I think uh, for me, if I had to, to mention anyone else, and he's already, you know, up there and seen as an elite player. Um, but I feel like the consensus on D book, obviously he started as that, Hey, he's just a stats guy that will never lead, which has been obviously proved ridiculous. Um, but I think even, you know, once we got past that, it was, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like the consensus wasn't ever going to be that he was going to be a top 10, maybe even pushing into the, you know, seven, eight, six range. And like, we, we talked about how good the Suns are. It all starts and ends with book. Like I, I, I've been impressed with, Hey, you know, there's the Sarver thing. There's the Aiton thing. There's the Jay Crowder thing. I got you guys. Like I got you guys night in night out. You can rely on me. I'm going to, if, if you put decent players around me, I got you guys. And he's just been incredible so far. Every single game. 
um, as a leader, as an offensive engine. And I've just been super impressed because it's really, really hard to have all that attention, be the guy that everyone focuses on and deliver night in, night out. I know it's only been three games, but um, if he has not been as locked in as he's been, there's a, a chance that, you know, this Suns season goes south to an extent. So I just, just yeah. think he deserves a shout out for, for how good he's been. He's uh, he's cut from that Kobe cloth. Just yeah. will not take no for an answer. No, for, for sure. And whenever Kyle talks about how, how he's, yeah, I just, I don't, I'm like, dude, come on. Like where, where, where are you drawing your conclusions from? Like he'll, he'll act like, like he called it that Devin Booker is not a winner. And I'm like, that has not been showcased at all. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, and it's been really cool. I know we talked about it earlier, but like, it's been really cool to see, uh, dame just yeah be be here um and 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 honestly jaw is kind of in that book yeah where it's like i got you every night you can count on me all right let's get to uh our top five teams ranked um in terms of i don't we can do a like a power ranking style like right now we don't even it doesn't even have to be about like win the title just like your top five teams at this moment yeah, so I think for me, Boston's one. Um, I the team's just really good. I, I I think that coming into the season, I thought maybe with the email situation, it might be like a slower start. But like sure. the Jays championship hangover kind of. I know they didn't win the championship, but dude, yeah. I it's just like Jalen Brown has taken a step. Tatum looks like a legit, like, top five player in the league right now. Yeah. Um, and they're doing, obviously, all of this with Robert Williams out. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but from the Celtics' perspective, if they can keep a top three seed in the East and have Williams back for the playoffs, that's all that matters. Yep. So I, I have Boston at one. Did he want to go back and forth? Uh. Yeah, let's let's do that. I I had Boston at one uh, as well, um, and like you said, like there's definitely a pathway to them not being as good as they are right away, um, and they've put those issues to rest immediately. Like even the game against Orlando, Orlando battled. They were, it, you know, it wasn't close because Boston was dicking around. It was, you know, Orlando was playing really good basketball. They've been very impressive every game. And I think Malcolm Brogdon is going to be huge for them. I think we've talked and we might've talked about, Hey, like if there's something this team could need, like it's another guy to relieve some pressure from, from Brown and JT. And I know Marcus smart is capable of that, but I think really where Marcus smart is, has his most value is, is on defense. Um, Not as a outlet valve from those two. Malcolm Brogdon is, a guy who offensively you feel very comfortable with. And, and obviously Peyton Pritchard is not ever going to be that guy. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm with you on them on one. I think Brogdon's been huge for them and very impressive that they're doing all this really without Horford as their only big. Yeah. Um, two for me is Milwaukee. Uh, I'm let's see how healthy Brooke Lopez is going to be this year. Cause he's just so massive for them when he's in yeah. there. So and underrated. Bobby, Bobby Portis is, is great but he can't do like nobody goes in the paint 
on Milwaukee when yeah. Brooke is in there. And when they do, it's a mistake. I, I think Brooke is one of the most, I think to this point, underrated players in the NBA just by fans. Like he is the perfect role playing big. He's such a good rim protector. He's a tree. And then yeah. he's also spaces the floor offensively. It's, it's so perfect. It's yeah. so perfect. Milwaukee still kind of goes through, and again, it's only been two games for them, but they still go through these like weird lapses and like on the offensive end, which yeah. is basically like a bud staple at this point. They take a lot of like you. four seconds into the shot clock. Oh, I'm open. I'm letting it fly. And it's Javon yeah. Carter or George Hill or Grayson Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Milwaukee's scary and they, they yeah. don't have Chris. Like they're they're a scary yeah. scary team. Uh, I mean, uh, they they have the best player in the world. Would you is Giannis your number one? Yeah. I'd assume. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, item three. Uh, Go ahead. We. we, we oh, oh, are you? <laughs> well, Yoke Yoke has a call. Well, no, it, it's just weird. Like the there's no one close to as physically imposing as Giannis. So Giannis can literally get forty every night by just being physically imposing on yeah. everyone else in the league. He's not the most skilled player. I think there's no. probably 10 players that are probably more skilled than he is. But I'd probably go 40, like just in terms yeah. of like offensive skill. Um, but yeah, the in transition, I mean, he's the 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 best transition player we've ever seen, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I had him three. I had him three. Um, I got my dubs too. I know you know the Nuggets lost, you know, they they lose, they lose at home. That's never a good loss, but I'm not stressing that loss. The Nuggets got smacked on opening night. The Nuggets always seem to play us well. They've stolen plenty of games at Oracle and Chase before. Um, I think when it all co- – and, and I think part of it too is like I think Kerr's in a position this year where they're – and props to him, right? But um, it's this this regular season, we know what we have in our stars. Like a, a lot of the regular season is going to be dedicated to – trying to get James Wiseman and Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga more acclimated. So um, even if they don't go win 60 games, even though I think they like, maybe not 60, but you know, if they really wanted to lock in on the regular season to go get a one seed, they could. Um, I just feel very confident about the nucleus of this team. We already talked about Andrew Wiggins, but honestly I could put Jordan Poole hasn't even been that good this year, Um, but you just see it. Like it's, it's different level offensively from from a lot of people great passer um the jay thing's a little bit weird but yeah overall i just feel and clay does clay uh i love him i love him this is just kind of weird with him too um it's a weird spot but overall all in all with the experience and staff honestly looks so fresh um i'd have us too i feel really good about the future um that's where i'm at where do you have them I have meant three um, okay. for all the points that you had just mentioned. I just felt that the Bucks have looked better thus far. Um, so, yeah, I have uh, I have dubs at three. I actually have Pelicans at four. Um, now, I know that they lost tonight. They lost after Ingram went out, and they lost after Zion went out. Um, yeah. But, I mean, shit, like that team – with everybody in there, like that rotation, those starters, like you could probably put that starting five up against any starting five in the league. Like there's so much offensive talent there. They have good defense, great rotation pieces. Um, great coach. 
great coach. Like I, I didn't even really do like a preseason, like where do I have teams stacked up, but I was definitely too low on them. Um, I'm just impressed. I, yeah. I had them before. Yeah. Um, hopefully, hopefully Zion and, and Brandon aren't out too long. Cause that's really, again, when you talk about, you know, how good can they be? It's the health of those two guys. Zion has looked so good. Yeah. So good. He's incredible. He looks like he's in, in great shape. I would probably have had him uh, sixth or seventh, um, but they're right there. And, and like one of my takeaways that we didn't even really get to was like, I, I legitimately think like the Pelicans could be in the Western Conference Finals and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, yep. And I don't yep. think a lot of people are there yet on them, but uh, I think that's a very real possibility um for it's not looking too good because i again i created this list before like kind of halfway through the day i had the clippers and that obviously doesn't that doesn't look too good no um sons took care of them but you it seems like you where were you at on them dude i i just like like the, the lakers had to me maybe i'm looking at it with yellow and yellow and purple glasses yeah you're very low on on the lakers dude the lakers had a chance to win that game they had no business they shot like 16 percent from the field the clippers were talked up to be this team you know that that runs 14 deep but if you kind of think about it if you look at their team a lot of their rotation pieces are older they have a ton of miles on them um you know their two best players have been under the knife a lot in recent years yeah um you know their bright spot you know pg had the 40 spot but one of their bright spots has been john wall a guy that hasn't played in two seasons i they have the talent to be a top five team and be in the western conference finals and maybe even in the title but up to this point nothing that they have done has been super impressive like they've won the games that they should have won and then they got blown off the court tonight against phoenix um so to me, it's been underwhelming to say the least from the first. That's fair, bro. I think I, I'm more viewing it as um one, I, I and again, I, I I came into this with prefacing it saying right now. So I'm I'm already kind of going again against that. Uh, but for me, how I'm viewing it more is what I know they have and me thinking hey all right Kawhi is going to continue to ramp up and how obviously it is Kawhi, so that's never really a given um but i with with the depth of this team the way john walls look how i feel about avika zubach how i feel about a lot of their rotation guys and how i feel about ty lu um i just have confidence in them throughout the season even if they didn't look amazing versus the lakers um or obviously tonight in a, in a back-to-back that this is a team that pretty soon is gonna start clicking but again at this point yeah but i mean obviously after the sun's game um they're probably not four but this is a team i have a, a lot of confidence on to round into that level relatively soon relatively mm-hmm. soon but we'll see it is a lot you're right there are plenty of guys that are on the wrong side of 30 and their two guys, PG and Kawhi, are neither of them have have gone a full season healthy, or even like close to a full season healthy in two and a half, three years. So I, I totally get you there. Yeah, and then 
for me, the, the five or six spot is kind of interchangeable between Phoenix and Denver. Yeah. Um, we'll kind of find out with Denver tomorrow night. Like all of a sudden, it's kind of a big game in Portland tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I think Denver's going to win that game. Yeah. I mean, they should win that game. They're a yeah. better team. Um, but no, I, Phoenix, I thought, has looked really good. Like I said, they probably should have won that game in Portland over yeah. the weekend. Um, and then they go to LA and blow out the Clippers along with the massive second half comeback that like, that just doesn't happen. Like the team doesn't go down by that kind of margin and come back to win a game like that against Luca, a top five player who's absolutely rolling. For sure. Um, so I'd probably put Phoenix at five, Denver at six. Yep. Denver's there's still kind of, there's some growing pains. They're still kind of getting used to having mall and MPJ, MPJ yeah. immersing Bruce Brown into the system. But dude, when they get humming, like when they get right, Aaron Gordon's look good. Um, Denver, I still think Denver can come out of the West. I'm with you. It's, it's kind of the same mindset as I have with the Clippers where they didn't look, you didn't come away from the, this week, all that impressed uh but like what you needed to see to feel confident long term you saw and it's just a matter of time so it, for me i had the suns five um and the nuggets six and then probably Pel- I, you can make an argument the pelicans are ahead of the nuggets which you did um but yeah five six that's how i'd round yeah. it out real quick um uh, before we get out of here because it's already been super long we didn't talk about them at all and i'm just curious i want to know moving forward how you view this team and what the expectations are. How far off from the top five would the Dallas Mavericks be? And I know we only got two games, but, like, are you a believer? Are you – where are you at with them? To be honest, <clears throat> I really haven't watched hardly any of them, and they've only played two games. Yeah. <clears throat> but going into the season, I was not a believer in them. I thought they got worse, um, and that still might bear out. You know, I – if Luca is that guy, then they can be a top four seed in the West. Yeah. But even even if he if is, he is dude, he's guy. bragging yeah. a team that like, sure they play lights out defense, but like if you look at the <clears throat> if you look at the depth and the cast of characters on this team, there's six or seven, eight teams out West that have better rotational depth better starters than the Mavericks do. Yeah. So like Luca has to be that much better than every other star in the West for this Dallas team to be there, to be in the thick of it, which he might be, I don't know, but yeah. I'm with you. I think Jason Kidd's an incredible coach with, oh. you're not there. We'll, well see. It's just, I, I mean, I, I, what he did last season was incredible without a doubt. Like he's been a really good coach. It's crazy that it didn't work out in Milwaukee though. Yeah, I think he's. I think he probably learned and grew, and and that's where now what we're seeing is. What what, what do you think of Dallas? Um, I think I'm a little higher. I think I think the foundation, like on offense, you're just you're always going to be set. If there's one person that can run quote harden ball, it's Luca. Although I think it's different. It's not just a high pick and roll. There's so many other ways that Luca can initiate the offense that don't just start with a screen at the top of the key. Um, and so I just think offensively, they're all, no matter who's there, Luca's just, we've never seen anyone like him. He actually could go down as the most skilled of all time. Like I've never, he can be moving. He can be walking. He, he could walk 
the whole game, never even run and be insanely impactful. So I just have so much respect for him. I think they've surrounded him with really good shooters. And from basically the midway point of last season on, the defense has been elite. So I I feel good about him. And and that that Suns game, like, I know they lost. And I know, you know, it's not ideal to, to blow a lead like that. But that's not all in all given who you're playing in the situation on the road in Phoenix, a bad loss. And then they just spanked the Grizzlies. So um, two game sample size. I'm not drawing too much, but like, yeah, I feel and good. For, about it. And for the Dallas guys that are going to listen to this and be like, Oh, Tyler fucking hates the Mavericks. Why does he hate the Mavericks? I haven't watched him yet. So these are just my preconceived yeah. notions going into the season. I didn't think that the rest of the roster, not, not just the rotation, the rest of the roster outside of Luca doesn't stack up to everyone else in the West. So we'll see. Right. And, and you really can't, that's all you can really speak on. If you haven't watched it, I appreciate it. I know a lot of people that love to talk about things that haven't even watched. So I appreciate you being here with me tonight, bro. I know we grinded this out. It's now 1130. Um, <laughs> probably going to be my longest pod today, but I'm totally okay Worth with it. that. We will, uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. Um, and uh, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you for your insight tonight. Thanks for having me. Of course.